What is even happening? We have to get back to B99 or our audience I, will kill us. I don't think we do. I think we have to bring it back for like five seconds and then like close the fucking thing off because we were an hour and 25 minutes in. Yeah, but I'm the one who's editing this, so I'll figure it out. <laughs> this is your life, Arthur. You can probably cut this into two pretty clean episodes uh, where we where we talk about Brooklyn Nine and where we don't talk about Brooklyn Nine. But I think this content where we don't talk about Brooklyn Nine is probably more amusing. Without question, all the Brooklyn Nine-ness was kind of boring. It started to segue into more interesting blah 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 later. I might actually just cut out all the Brooklyn Nine-ness. <laughs> <laughs> and you should use that for for the intro. Yeah. I might just cut out all the Brooklyn Nine-ness stuff, and then she did. <laughs> Which means you and I, when we when we finish, we should re-record the intro. Ba da ba ba ba. Non Brooklyn Nine Nine podcast. <laughs> Welcome about to- everything but Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> Honestly, let's do it. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl. And this episode is not about Brooklyn Nine-Nine at all. We tried. We really did. But we think this will be better. Yeah, yeah. So today we have on our show LaToya Ferguson, and we're going to come in, like, she's going to be introducing herself. It starts out kind of awkward, and then just gets crazy. <laughs> Hi, guys. I am the reviewer of Brooklyn Nine-Nine on the AV Club. Uh, my name is Latoya Ferguson. Uh, you can also find my writing elsewhere on the internet, uh, besides AB Club, also Guardian, and other just random, you know, haunts of the internet, some, like, creepy back alleys. And you can always find me on Twitter at LaFergs. That's the creepy back alley, right? Yeah. I always feel very, like, shifty when I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Mostly because I never create my own content, I just reply to people. You're you're Nicki Minaj in that Lonely Island video? I am not Nicki Minaj in any Lonely Island video, or any other video, or any aspect of my life. I can wish, but I cannot pretend. Yeah, you can wish. Maybe one day. I have none of her qualities. Her feminism? I have a different feminism. Oh, yeah. I can't have her feminism, it's for her. Yeah. All right. So this is this is so this normal. is totally par for the course. <laughs> yeah. So I actually have been curious. So how did I know that the first season of Brooklyn Nine Nine was being reviewed by a different writer over at AV Club, right? Mm-hmm. How did you end up picking up the gig? Just uh, standard. Molly wasn't doing uh, reviews for the second season, so they were just asking, "Does anyone want to do Brooklyn Nine Nine? Just pitch." And I pitched well enough, I guess, and talking about how much I love the show. And I guess I begged a little, just a little bit, just a little bit of begging, and then I got it. And then I had to deal with the adjustment period of people telling me, I don't know what I'm talking about, we need a new reviewer. The huge. Yeah, uh, so I guess, should we just dive into it? I know, like, one of the things that we had kind of started talking about, but then, like, stopped was, uh, and something you're clearly, like, really, Jake's health, hygiene, and general, like, togetherness. I'm so worried for him. (laughs) <laughs> I think you should be. How is he a functioning adult? How? I mean, I feel like everyone gets the different stages of adulthood at different points in their lives. Mm-hmm. And he skipped so many of them. <laughs> and it's he, troubling. He skipped most of the, like, prerequisites. I don't think he ever been to a health class where he slept his way through them somehow. I don't think I've ever been in a health class, actually. I grew up in Oklahoma. But I think it's harder to get out of that in New York. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how yet the Yanks do it, but... Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I grew there up in Dallas. It was like 30 minutes on how easy it was to get STDs when you did the sex. See, I was... When I got health class, I was still living in Illinois, but we got health class, so... <laughs> Public schools, people. Come on, get your shit together. <laughs> I See, for me, it's like, I feel like the target is always moving. I was telling Carl before... Before we came onto the into the hangout, that like they, for example, the dentist thing, they go back and forth on that. Like they can't make up their own minds. Like in season one, they said he's the, uh, Holt's like I pity your dentist, and Jake says jokes on you, I don't have one. Um, but then like in the party, the reason he doesn't remember the human trafficking article is because he was high on nitrous from being at the dentist. <laughs> But then this, 
<laughs> and this like last week or the week before. Dad might not have even been a dentist appointment. He was just hanging out with a dentist to get some nitrous. I think it's pretty likely that like emergency dental work was required and Holt made that happen. Yeah, that's the only way I could see that happening. We should go back and check to see if it's possible that that office is the same as uh, the one Amy's Holt's in? brother-in-law's yeah. dentist office. Because if so, that's a pretty clear confirmation. And if not, it doesn't prove anything, because they're really bad at continuity. Well, and also, <laughs> even if it is the same office, all it means is they used the same set. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. That's the problem with, like, TV, right? Like, internal Nothing continuity. Nothing necessarily means anything. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, an upper, yeah. like... <laughs> but, like, I... So, for me, the one that got me that I was like, oh, God, no, stop, is, like, when... <laughs> what was it? When he was, uh... It was anytime with the Pontiac Bandit, when they talk about... What was it? He says, like... It's like, it's like French kissing. You just jam your tongue in there and, like, uh, look around. <laughs> there's no way Jake is good at sex, right? That is also I, on my list of things to discuss. But, like, I can't imagine, like, why would Sophia stay with this person? Like, she's clearly got her life together. <laughs> like Personalities he, he, match, but I don't... Oh, God, I can't imagine it's good but, for her. <laughs> but they started off a hookup... They started off with a hookup vibe. And I can't see them, like, being distracted by each other if the sex was terrible. That, yeah. Sometimes you just, you know, you, you take what you can get. And she's like, she figured probably that he's a nice enough guy that she'll continue through with this bad sex. She probably had worse. <laughs> that is possible, too. <laughs> there, that is that is a real thing. I, I guess, like, from my perspective, I just, I can't, and it's not just, like, me projecting my own, like, desires about Jake Peralta's character here. Just Character, through- yeah. I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking punch you. You probably will. My point was simply. The point is bad sex. The point Always is bad the point. sex. Point was like, the show is consistent about p- painting Jake's two primary characteristics as being like a willingness to learn and to try, and also that he pays attention. <laughs> On that first part, um, Jake cannot be taught anything. Like. He doesn't know what a vasectomy is after having explained seven times in a row. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I feel like until he like either experiences or witnesses a vasectomy, he's not going to know what it is. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> oh my Stop God. it. Really? That's the line? Oh I'm trying to figure out how Everyone he would witness a vasectomy. So there are operating theaters. <laughs> Are there operating theaters for vasectomies? Is that a real thing? <laughs> Theoretically, yes. Surgery students have to learn somehow. Is he going to become a surgery student? No, but like he God. can muscle his way into a hospital. We're doing this wrong. I'm sure people will send you guys messages about vasectomies and how people learn. We were saying in the last in the last new podcast that um, he sells the car, right? And, mm-hmm. and I I looked it up because I was curious because my friend's a gearhead. And I had asked him about, like, what car it was before, because, you know, they show it on the show. And uh, mm-hmm. I looked up the cars, even at, like, cr- the worst possible version of that car is worth about 20 grand. Damn. Yeah. And, like, Carl and I were saying, like, there's no way he got 20 grand from that, like, grody guy who drove off in his car. <laughs> like, <damn> it, Jake. <laughs> I am assuming that he sold it by, like, soaping up the windows. And just writing numbers like on the for side. sale, seventeen fifty or something. Horrible, horrible. Well, especially, and you'd think like he works enough auto cases, you'd think he'd know what a car is worth. Nope. <laughs> oh, Jake. We just get oh, mad oh, about Jake. stuff like this. We get mad about stuff like you're this. assuming that by working auto cases, he will learn some numerical values, but you're forgetting that he doesn't <laughs> know how many weeks are in a year. Oh, yeah, he's really bad at math. And he's lived in a lot of years by now. Oh, no. Wait, how do we know he doesn't know me? From the Pontiac Bandit. Right. He doesn't know anything. So worried about him always. (laughs) That poor summer child. (laughs) I want to talk to you about um, something. I was rereading your recap of Undercover, so the season two premiere. And something I thought... That you said that I thought was really interesting, which I think the show is like holding out, um, was you said that like 
that Sandberg has a bad habit of dialing everything up to 11 and that the show works better when he's kept a little more like tightly written. And you said that in the premiere, and I think you've said it more recently as well. And I really liked that because yeah, I think I, was, I said it again on Halloween too. Yeah, I, you've 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 reiterated that point periodically, and I think we've made the same point, but in different words. Um. It's one of the things I was thinking about before I got into the show. I was thinking like, how do you translate a career basically just doing the Lonely Island into an actual sitcom that's not just like people falling down barrels and into space Olympics and things. <laughs> Uh. Well, and like, I, you know, I'd listened to, before we started the podcast, I'd listened to that inter- interview he did with the Nerdist several years ago, right right before he left Saturday Night Live, like a year before he left the show. He'd done this interview, and it was really interesting because he had said, he basically implied that he wants the opposite of Adam Sandler's career. He wants Will Ferrell's career, um, mm-hmm. where like, there's more variety and like, uh, steadier work and uh, just like stuff in front and behind the camera, which I thought was really interesting. And But, like, we've been saying lately that, like, yeah, Jake's been written kind of goofy, but they've been leaning on the child aspect of the man-child thing a lot lately, both in Halloween and, honestly... Uh, in Payback. Yeah. Payback was also like that, but what was right before Payback? Uh, not Beach House, but the one before. That Stakeout? Was, yeah, that was Stakeout. Yeah. Either way, like, I was thinking... Last couple of days, just I, I think you're right. I think the show is stronger when he gets when he has he's when that actor and that character are both written more straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I was tweeting my parade and I was or texting her and I was like, he needs to be written straighter, not sexually, but comedically. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like the strength of the ensemble, like it kind of falters when he has to be, like, over-the-top, like, super-duper-whack Andy Samberg, because then it's, like, the Andy Samberg show, which is not what, in my opinion, Brooklyn Nine should be. It should be, like, this ensemble show. So he has to, like, dial it back, honestly, so it doesn't just become about him, 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 because, obviously, that turns off a lot of people. Not necessarily me, in general. I'm, like, a fan of Andy Samberg and always have been, but it's, it's a real, like, deterrent, too, if you're trying to get people into the show and they are not a fan of Andy Samberg when he's, like, on that scale of 11. Yeah, and I don't think it's what... I don't even think it's what he wants to be doing with the show. Yeah. From everything I've heard, he's really into the ensemble aspect. And I think that he feels that way because he's a smart comedian, and he knows that his personal brand of humor, like, in its unadulterated form, should last about three minutes at a time. A song. Yeah. Yeah. Or or a sketch, like I've I've watched the Awesome Town pilot, and it's way too much. Awesome Town was never going to get off the ground. <laughs> but like I think what makes Hot Rod work is that Rod, that character, is alternatively turned up to eleven, and then like the one reacting to all the insanity around him. Yeah. Like like yeah, he does the I was legit. In fact, I was too legit to quit. But then now I'm not legit because I quit. And it's just, like, hysterically funny. Like, I was thinking about how, like, there's that, there's that guy who, like, throws all the papers in the air and then does, like, the air humping in Hot Rod. And it's, like, he's just there. Like, there's nothing else happening. It's just There's just, like, five-minute interlude of this guy. You're really selling me on this movie right now. It's, it's a beautiful movie. I would like for you to um, recreate the movie right now. Just go scene by scene. Tell us everything that happens in this scene. I think that could really maintain a podcast. I'll be the straight man who doesn't know about this movie. <laughs> so, wait, I have to play every role? I haven't seen the movie. I can't wait till you get so, the yeah. babe scene in your reenactment. I'm really excited for that. So what? The babe scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be the car. I've been the car before. I'm comfortable with that dynamic. <laughs> There's that scene where, like, where, like, he's, like, crying in his room, and Yorma comes in, and he's like, get it out! I'm the tears here. <laughs> Silent, but emotionally devastating. Speaking of which, uh, I'm 100% uh, with speaking you. Speaking of which... <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> so one, totally a patented back in the field segue. 
And two, what I was going to segue into was um, Melissa Fumero is stealth MVP. Yes. Yes, she is. Where she's silent but still emotionally devastating. Oh, okay. That's a segue. That counts. <laughs> there Fuck it is. Fuck we you. got there. We brought it around. I was going right there and you were just like, fucking. You didn't even derail me. You fucking bombed out the tracks. <laughs> I, I feel like the violence is about to come out. We can do this. We're a team. Are we? Maybe. Are we? We're talking no. about Alyssa from Vera right now. No. Are we talking about her face? Well, indirectly. She's Are like, we? Cool. Let's talk about Alyssa from Vera's face now. I love you calling her the stealth MVP because once, I think you said that in in Payback and in Beach House in your reviews for that. And uh, I went back and rewatched some of the uh, earlier S2 episodes and you're you're on point. In fact, I wouldn't be... Su- she could probably submit for the Best Supporting Comedic Actress Emmy. Like, and get a decent nod. She should, and if she doesn't, uh, I'll rant about it probably in a review. I'll, fi- I'll find a way. <laughs> right? So, uh, actors submit them, uh, reels of themselves for that? Mm-hmm. I don't actually know how that process works. So, I, I... Correct... You might know more about this than I do, but as far as I know, the you can submit yourself or the network can submit on your behalf. Like, the network or, like, uh, maybe even, like, representation. I remember, like, Rob Lowe, whenever he would, like, submit himself, it was, like, always his people that, like, did it. Not him specifically. Or, yeah. Rob Lowe seems like he would have people. I also feel like Rob Lowe has no perspective on his work, so. Is that the case? Yeah, wasn't, like it was always for, like, lead in Parks and Recreation. Like, <laughs> it was always for lead to submit. And also on Brothers and Sisters, always for lead. But he's, but he's not You're not going to get the damn nomination. <laughs> Rob Lowe, you weren't in the first three seasons. You're not the lead of that show. <laughs> let's, let's be real here. <laughs> Rob Lowe's people are going to find you. They're going to take you out. He probably did that for the West Wing, too. Well, he was the lead on the oh, West Wing, though. Definitely. He was a lead on the West Wing. He saw himself as the lead. He was, like, the second credit. But like no, he he was the, the first, first credit. credit yeah. yeah, yeah, he was the first credit. Yeah, he was the lead. Yeah, he saw himself as the lead. About Rob Lowe, hmm? even though it made no sense that he was submit for lead on Parks or Brothers and Sisters. Come on, people. right? But most I'm of pretty him, sure that West Wing is more about Josh Lyman. It became more about Josh Lyman, which drove Rob Lowe crazy. <laughs> that's why he left. Yes, that's actually accurate. Oh. I remember. I remember when that happened too, because I was I was a fan of the show from like season two or season three on. But uh, no, I Melissa Fumero should totally submit for Best Supporting Actress, and there's precedent for sure. Gershow's like making that work, because like Pam uh, Jen uh, Jenna Fisher won Best Supporting Actress for The Office, like season one or season two. So, and I, I feel like with Orange is the New Black, all of them submitting as leads, there's no, re- like, that that category is less competitive. Well, are they all submitting as leads? Because I'm pretty sure they're, like, it's usually supporting or guest actor is one they kind of cheat on, I would say, actually. Like, saying Laverne Cox is, like, a guest actor. It's like, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I know that, like... Well, Orange is the New Black is bending all these rules, which, fine. Which did... They submitted for something weird for the show. Like, they submitted it to what you wouldn't expect. I think they submitted it as, like, a miniseries. Right. Something weird like that. Yeah, I everyone mean, submitted Brian Murphy for started mini- with that cheating right there, so... Submitting every season of American Horror Story as a miniseries, uh-huh. <sighs> and now True Detect is going to do that every year. Ugh. Oh my god, you're I right. Liked, I liked True Detective, but I don't like Vince Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> oh Isn't no. Vince Vaughn out, actually? Is he? Oh my I god, you're making my day. Thank you I for coming on our podcast. <laughs> Let me double check real quick. But I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'd be really happy if that were true. Because the only reason I would watch True Detective with Vince Vaughn in it would be to see Vince Vaughn's face get brutalized. It's the best use for his face. Getting super punched. I guess not. Sorry. You know if he's Real not mad. out. <laughs> we can cut all of that out. It's fine. <laughs> they, can, they, can, they can hear my broken hopes. It's fine. It's fine. 
I don't think it's fine. It doesn't sound very fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, no. Carl's, used, Carl's accustomed to disappointment. I mean, I've already ridden the Vince Vaughn is going to be in True Detective trait instead of anyone who's any good and isn't just like a tall streak of blank whiteness. Wasn't Ellen Page and... Um... I'm sure a lot of names were said about True Detective, none of which were attached to True Detective. No, no. A lot of people were campaigning, internet campaigning, for Ellen Page, though. Mm. Internet campaigning doesn't do anything. No. It's all garbage. Internet campaigning thinks they'll manage to get Scarlett Johansson off Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> oh my god. I, I'm... I I know Bella... I know that she's um, she's kind of over Rinko Kikuchi for everything, but oh, like... Oh, you've heard about that too. <laughs> yeah, she was ranting his... Uh, so, so, I don't know if you, like... I did, I did mention that I wouldn't invite her in that role, and she was like, can you name another Japanese actress? And I was like, I cannot... Uh, I can, actually. But the problem is a lot of them don't speak English. Yeah, that's an impediment for starring in an English-language movie. Yeah. There's Hikaru Utada, who is bilingual in English and Japanese, but a singer, not an actress. Ah. I thought she could probably learn to act. <laughs> or, alternatively... <laughs> she could learn to act better than Scarlett Johansson could learn to be Japanese. <laughs> but, Where uh, were we? We were talking about Melissa Fumero. Yeah. And how she should win an Stop Emmy or something. MVP. I, so we have we've speculated pretty openly about like where we think where we think Amy's arc is going in as we move into like the back half of the season. And I'm curious like feels uh, I just I need more Amy all the time. Those are my feels honestly all of the time. I think they're getting there. I think she's one of the only things that's been getting better this season and hopefully they'll notice. Um, I said last week I think that Melissa Fumero has a strong plan for where her character is going. And she's going to find a way to execute it. Um, <laughs> she's going to hijack the show. I mean, she might need to. <laughs> this, season, this season has been loose. Yeah, that's actually exactly what Carl's words were. So at the end of Stakeout, Amy says to Terry, I want to be a little more assertive. In my in my like role in my job and everything, and I said to Carl, "I was like, Carl, those are arc words. That's what Amy's like. I bet that's what Amy's going to be doing from here on." And Carl was like, "Nah," and turned out <laughs> right. What I said was, "I don't believe in arc words for a television sitcom." Uh, I think that's a nah. <laughs> that's a nah. nah. That's it's, it's close that. to a nah. I can't I can't put the genie back in the bottle on this one. <laughs> Carl was basically like, you're wrong. And I was like, alright, Carl. And it turned out, I was fucking right. So, one, never letting that go. Okay. And two, um... I'll put that in my box with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> now I feel bad. No, it's okay. Feel it bad. can beat up Vince Vaughn and everything will be cool. He deserved it. One of the things that, uh... Amy's assertiveness, I thought, was, is it, I don't know how much she planned that or how much she campaigned for that with the writers behind the scenes, but it's, it, it's been pretty consistent. Like, we saw her say that in, in Stakeout, and then in Beach House, she gets drunk and tells Holt that she wants a promotion and a 40% raise. I think she deserves it. Just for being that drunkenly bold. Honestly, I wish Jake hadn't pulled her away because I really would have loved to I see mean, Holt responded. I mean, asking for a forty percent raise is step one. Getting a twenty percent raise, <laughs> so. And the show was really upfront last season, and not as much this season about about Jake and Amy being like the top two. Like they were solving everything. Yeah, like their stats were markedly better because of them working as hard as they were. We get confirmation of that in the in the apartment, like. Something like, Jake says his solve rate is like 70-something percent, and like, the national average is 48. Oh my god. He's a savant. To be fair, that's a number. And we can't trust him on those. <laughs> but he might have written it down on a post-it note, like had it on the back of his hand. <laughs> had Amy do the math for him. He's actually pretty good on his own swagger stats. Yeah, I think he triple-checks those. Mm. That, that actually, like... Have you noticed they haven't been doing any cases, really? It feels like they've had less cases. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah, and that's... When it, it uh, isn't a hindrance on the ensemble, I am kind of fine with that, but then when it just uh, kind of ignores the ensemble just for wacky hijinks, that's what bothers me. Like, it is technically a workplace comedy, so 
I do, would like more cases. I do actually kind of like that Giggle Pig was an arc. I really like that. So if they could just do more, you know, criminal cases that are arcs like that, that'd be good. I think I liked how Giggle Pig worked as an arc. I thought they could have committed to it a little harder. There were a lot of directions going on with Giggle Pig. And they either needed ways to involve more people or ways to have fewer uh, distractions. Mm-hmm. What I also like are... I want to see more cases like the case in The Vulture that brings like the entire squad in on one case all at once. Because those are such great ensemble opportunities. And we don't see as many of those anymore. Yeah. Actually, it's, it, now that Carl says that, I'm thinking about how like even the pilot is like that. Like, the Morgenthau case or whatever. It ends up like that, yeah. yeah. They all go in with, like, guns and stuff. Except for Skelly and Hitchcock, who didn't matter yet. They're my, like, fourth-ranked ship. <laughs> Could you please give me the uh, rankings of your ships, please? Is Rosa Marcus on yours? <laughs> no. Marcus has fewer personality traits right now than Teddy. Jesus Christ. That's what I want to talk about. Nick Cannon on this goddamn show. <laughs> P.S. I love that you were like also noticed the Nick Cannon party line. Like, I feel like everyone was like, oh, it's a 30 Rock reference. I'm like, it might be, <laughs> but it's definitely a Nick Cannon reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that might also be what they were going for. But also, ain't no party like a Nick Cannon party. How did Carl feel about Come that? Come on, people. Because a Nick Cannon party has 50% too many hand motions. The only thing he does in his first episode is, like, move his hands around and say people's names. That's Nick Cannon. That's what he does. That's not acting. That's reading from a list. He might have had it on a teleprompter. It all went downhill after Drumline, honestly. Was Wild and Out after Drumline? Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's good or decent because of him. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree. Um, Rosa and Marcus is not on my list only because, again, Marcus has fewer personality traits than Teddy. <laughs> at the same stage, like we knew that Teddy was good at his job, and we knew that Teddy liked pilsners, and we knew that Teddy and Amy had dated like seven times, and we knew that Teddy was uncomfortably. And that he stiff. really loved pilsners. That's four things. Pilsners should be on there twice. Yeah. Yeah. And that he really loved pilsners. Yes. Pilsners is actually in between every <laughs> thing on the list. Whereas we, the things we know about Marcus are that he's 31 years old and that he lives with his uncle and his uncle's husband. That's all. That's, those are the only things we know. We know, I guess, that in the first episode he doesn't have a job. Uh, and he's thoughtful. We know that he likes to text. He bought her a phone. What? He did. Well, he bought her a phone charger, but yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't get it. Their relationship, or why Nick Cannon or is here, or why Rosa likes him, or yeah. why he was, why there's a character. He's not looking his best either. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like asking, like, why does Gina sleep, keep sticking with Boyle? I at least Boyle has a personality. Maybe he washed her hair. I have answers to that question, and I've answered it many times. You have. <laughs> He definitely did, because he had opinions on how much conditioner she should be using. I'm, I'm really worried about that, too. Yeah. It makes me think Boyle's possibly a potential serial killer. <laughs> I think Boyle's aware he's potentially a serial killer. I think they just need, they just want to kill that joke to death. I mean, Joe Truglio is clearly like bringing as much <laughs> creepy as he can to Charles at every stage. Yeah. Like It's his life quest. Yeah, he... he he said that last time, and I think it was like sure. I think Mike Sure and Dan Gore did an interview at the end of last season where they're where I think it was like Seppenwall. He was like, "Why is Boyle so creepy?" And they were like, "Well, th- we didn't write him that yeah, way." You did. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. You did. <laughs> well, so I've also heard Joe Latruglio, I think, say like, you know, I saw his character. And I thought let's make him really creepy because <laughs> he already was really creepy, but no one else noticed but me. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it is a lot of it is in the delivery. Like if 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 you play it a little straighter, like a little less like a little less like, you know, oh her 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 hip replacement meant she had some serious torque. Like if you play it less like so like obviously like I don't see problems with this, then it becomes like way less I don't know. I just feel like there, there are definitely a few times where I've, like, looked at his line delivery and been like, I feel like if you said that differently, it doesn't come off as creepy, but then you're like... But then it's not really very much of a joke. Yeah, it stops being funny. 
Um, and by now they're writing into it, for sure. Otherwise, <laughs> like, he wouldn't have improved that line three episodes in a row. The fucking hair washing line? If I hear about washing hair one more time. time. <sighs> it's gonna be... <laughs> You'll have kicked in the TV. No, it's gonna be like uh, that season of Children's Hospital where they just kept putting in tomato-tomato jokes every episode just for shits and giggles. It's gonna be just like that. I'm excited, but I'm also... That sounds like trouble. a show I won't... That sounds like a show I will never watch for what that reason. What is wrong with you? Children's Hospital is the best. I hadn't previously heard it existed. Carl, Carl's a little... I have a huge TV-like backlog of history in my life. I have barely ever watched a visual medium. You should definitely watch Children's Hospitals. It's very good. It's got a lot of funny people. I would actually say that's my... Yeah, that's my favorite comedy on TV, actually, Children's Hospital. It, maybe it's because she lets him wash his, she lets him wash her hair. But I do know the actors talk about it. Chelsea Peretti's theory is particularly great: is that he cooks for her. Wait, they have theories about why they're into each other. Yeah. Why haven't I heard about this? I, I have only, I been under a rock? Well, obviously. Help. Well, yes, but <laughs> help. Well, I know she was she was doing an interview uh, to promote her Netflix special. And the interview also watches Brooklyn Nine Nine. They're like, "Why do you? Why are you? Like, why do you do hooking up?" And she's like, "Well, we talk about it, and we've come to the consensus that you know he cooks for her, and you know he like takes care of her, and she finds that hard she, to." She really likes being pampered. Yeah, shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> shockingly. Can we? Should we talk about? Uh, so in in the episode where in one of the future episodes, there's going to be a wedding between Darlene <laughs> and Lynn, <laughs> and. And so that'll make Charles and Gina's step siblings. Oh, yeah. um, you drive me crazy, on <laughs> kids. A... There's no more of a comedy turn on than fake incest. This is true. I was thinking about I was thinking of Dan and Serena. Oh, see, and like I how they want to think of something so horrible because the Gossip Girl series finale hurt me so badly. I was going to a very Brady sequel next. That was going to be my next stop. <laughs> That was the other. That was the Does other the, place. Do the Bradys go full incest? Do they? Uh, they they definitely want to in that movie, and it's. <laughs> oh yeah, Greg and yeah. Greg and Marsha are like and they're sharing a bedroom and. <laughs> <laughs> who thought? Who worked that one out? It's the sixties, people. You have no, enough this money. The, this is the sequel to the the movie, so it wasn't. It wasn't the okay. show. It was okay. like the 90s and they all were like stuck yeah. in the 60s, right? Those movies are fantastic. Yeah. Also get a glowing recommendation from me. They... <laughs> Those movies are comedy gold. I, I agree with Gary Cole is the perfect Mike Brady. I actually agree with you so much. <laughs> like, so much. Like, Robert Reed was pretty good, but Gary Cole was really exactly. good. Today, from Marissa Rothman over at Give Me My Remote, I learned this week from TCA that the most loyal viewers of television only watch one out of every three episodes. That's horrible. Yeah, that's not the average. I was like, so wait, I I remember I tweeted at her. I was like, wait, are you telling me the average viewer only watches one in three? She said, no, I'm telling you the most loyal viewership watches one in three. So we're sick freaks. It's inexcusable the things we do about television. So, uh, so you just did the Bernie Mac review, which I really liked. Um, that yes. released yesterday, right? Yeah, I finally got to read it today because job's been crazy. But I really liked that. I never actually, so I never watched the Bernie Mac show when I was younger. But I was like aware of a lot of his work because, like, I would see his like stand up on Comedy Central, and I think I would flip past the Bernie Mac show just because, like, <laughs> it was like on my way to another program. The conversation that was happening, well, one, I loved that somebody was like, you said something like, we all know each other, and somebody was like, like the Key and Peele sketch, <laughs> which made me immediately go off on this, like, horrible Key and Peele bender. So, so somebody, for you, Carl. Hi. Somebody, somebody asked LaToya. No, it was... Uh, I had said basically that I trust uh, Larry Wilmore enough that I would check out the PJs, uh, another show that he had created. And they asked me, like, do you know him personally? And I'm like, yeah, we all know each other. 
and somebody else responded, like the Keen Peel sketch, which is a a piece about how all black people have telepathy with one another, and it's called The Shining. I mean, and it's like a giant like tele like party telephone line of like telepathy. And so like, Key is like, is 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 LeBron here, and they, or Kobe here? And he's like, what up? And it's like, it's, that, it's just the two of them doing different voices. It's just great. Like this is the Morgan Freeman voice that tells him to kill the white guy. <laughs> so anyway. I am writing down Key and Peel. Fucking love Key and Peel. I gotta cross out all these pornos I wrote down. <laughs> you should also write down the Bernie Mac show, which, uh, by the way, uh, those YouTube videos. I believe that YouTube user has like all the episodes uploaded, so you can just watch. That them kid is definitely like yes, like Jordan, right? They're such a weirdo, and like. And I thought he's the spawn of Satan. That basically is what it becomes. He is a devil child. You, I saw you write that, and I couldn't believe it because, like, it, well, his introduction is he's asthmatic and crying all the time, and I was like, he becomes a devil child. Like, I was just really confused. At one point in the pilot, like, uh, they're at a grocery store with Bernie, and Jordan's like screaming and crying because he has to pee. And then, like, he wets his pants, like, in the, like, middle of an aisle. And then it just ha- has, like, in the, like, annotation style that the show does, secretly enjoying it. So, like, he's a mess, but he's kind of intentionally a mess because, again, he's a devil child. I really have a lack of context for this show. So that's what you have to look forward to in the pilot. It's such a good show. It was one of the earliest no-laugh-track single cameras that comes on network. Oh. Someone um, had to break us from that onerous yoke. The I Love Lucy yoke? Actually, no. Uh, we had a lot of single-camera sitcoms like through the 60s, right? Yeah. And then we uh, came back to multicam in the 80s. But it just, it's not really known as you know the popular ones because uh, all the laugh tracks and whatnot that just kind of overtook and became you know the hugest thing in the world. But then... As they were pointing out uh, in the comments, like, for Fox especially, Malcolm in the Middle, like, it started that again, and it was, like, huge for Fox, and then came Bernie Mac, and, you know, all the fun stuff. But now NBC's trying to bring back the multicam. Yeah. That's their jam. With with laugh tracks or without yeah, laugh with tracks? Yeah, with laugh tracks. Well, good to know that NBC is still boldly <laughs> innovating its way into the 70s. Yeah. They got rid of their Thursday night comedy, and now... They just. When's uh, the last time NBC made a good decision? I would say Friday Night Lights. No, TV? they fucked that over so many times, though. <laughs> I wouldn't count that as. A- they ca- they keep renewing Hannibal, but but it's coming back in summer. Well, I mean, I doubt that's going to really affect the ratings, which weren't great in the first place. Sure. Yeah. Hannibal will be Hannibal in itself forever. You know they're kicking themselves for passing on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Probably. On the other hand... I mean, on the other hand... <laughs> on the other hand, they also got rid of Mulaney, which was a, a brilliant idea, actually. Yeah, <laughs> shunting that on Fox was a really good call. And as much, people, as much as people are like, how could you get rid of the Tina Fey comedy, uh, based on the pilot script that had a rape dungeon, like, in the first minute of it, I feel like that's actually... A good idea. It could be good, but yeah, just reading the pilot script for that uh, comedy was not a fan. <laughs> Tina Fey, are you okay? <laughs> that that Rape is jokes. weird. She what? Rape Dungeon and oh damn it! So now Tina, it can be what edgy are you doing? On, uh, Netflix? So thumbs oh, up. Oh boy, edgy garbage. I feel like there's a real possibility that Netflix and its edgy potential will take us to a really terrible place in comedy. Because, like, Arrested Development was unwatchable. Well, I thought it was that way to begin with. Okay, but... (laughs) Uh, I completely disagree. Arrested Development is my favorite comedy of all time, so I'm willing to fight all of you. I really loved the first three seasons, and then I couldn't watch the fourth season because it went so much darker. I could never... I could never even watch the pilot... Of rest development, and maybe I'm a bad person. Probably a bad person. You're most likely a bad person. <laughs> it's okay. I, mean, I can could live with myself. It to you having bad taste. It's both. <laughs> no, I think I'm just straight up a bad person. Think about how much I objectify. Think about how much I objectify the male actors on this show. That's a separate issue. They deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Let's get some female gaze going on, you guys. Broad City nails that, by the way. I don't know how they do it, but they always nail the like, ap- like the appropriately inappropriate amount of in- of female gaze. Like, oh, it's beautiful. I should watch Broad City to find out what that looks like. I love, Writing it down. I love Broad City. I just you saw me on Twitter, just like constantly tweeting about it. I'm sure I fucking love that show. I well, I've met Abby and Alana as well, uh, albeit briefly, but they were so. It was just really. Such a, it was so cool. It was so cool. But like, if my handwriting were so atrocious, we could post this on the Tumblr. We could just post it on the. No, Tumblr. my handwriting so atrocious. It only looks bad because my handwriting is there. No, it looks bad on its own. Aww. Aww. I've been there. Okay, I want to finish the point I was making earlier, which oh. was that you listed your four ships for B99, and I wanted to name mine. Okay. Because you... <laughs> oh, right, that did happen. <laughs> then I, we never got there. I wanted to tell you what mine were. And mine are... Okay. Mine are J.K. Me, and then Gina Boyle, and then... Mike. <laughs> and then um, J.K. Me, Gina Boyle, and then J- Jake Charles, Jake Holt, which drives you crazy. <laughs> It, it it makes me feel like you're doing something a little bit wrong. <laughs> and then Gina Rosa. Okay. She said it. Wait, Gina Rosa? Yeah. Gina Rosa? <laughs> and Rosa Amy. Gina Rosa's where you went first? Yeah. I can see that. Man, you're bad at chipping. Oh, what? <laughs> Get the fuck out. Okay, bye. <laughs> Wait, no, don't leave. <laughs> I did not expect that. How did I not know this about you? So, actual question. What shows did you pick up this year for love, not for job? Let's see. Well, technically, last year. <laughs> uh, let's see. This season. This television-watching season. Uh, this network television season. Fell in... <laughs> Deep, deep, deep love with uh, FX's You're the Worst. Mm, uh, a lot so of people beautiful. did. I'm working on getting my hands on that. Damn it. <laughs> also, uh, love British comedy siblings. Uh, it's kind of got a It's Always Sunny vibe with how terrible these this brother and sister pairing is. So if you can see that, I highly, highly recommend that. Hmm, what else did I love? Uh, the Flash, obviously. Yes. So good. I love that show. I used to read... I read the comics that I didn't realize was... I was watching and I was like, Hey, these, this feels like those comics I read back in 2010. Oh my and my God. friend was like, Yeah, duh. It's the comics you read. I'm so... You're you're killing me. <laughs> I need you, you to... You mean read. it feels like a specific arc from the comics in 2010? Or like the comic book institution The Flash from the past? <laughs> It feels like the Flash comics that occurred in the arc right. immediately following in Brightest Day. Okay. Um, which turns out were the Jeff Johns comics. Okay. And it's the same kind of creative... Because it was... It, yeah, it's Flashpoint, and that's basically what introduced the new 52. Yeah, but it's huh. like that sweet... But I was following the I was following the Flash title really closely in that sweet spot between in Brightest Day and Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like a solid like two years of comics. Okay. So that... So, what do you mean I'm killing you? <laughs> Just in general. Is it is it the like cr- the weirdness of my nerdery? Because that's not the first time. No, I just for a second was really like uh, worried about you and your <laughs> lack of nerd knowledge for a second, but then you uh, explained. So uh, yeah. that's why I pulled you out of the fire by like specifying yeah. you meant a specific arc of comics. Not I suddenly realized that it, this might be a comic book property. Tying into DC's era. No, no, the tone of the show was the tone of the right, comics right, that I right, really enjoyed. Right. No, thank you. I loved, for a long time, I was a DC loyalist. I watched all of the Bruce Tim animated universe shows. I picked up comics, like, because I wanted to know more about the universe that he was living in, or his, his characters and his work was living in. And I was sorely disappointed because I quickly realized he was cherry picking the best parts, but still. Um, but so you picked up The Flash. Um, the Flash made me pick up The Arrow. Show. Ah, uh, see, I was already watching Arrow because Arrows aren't my my two favorite uh, uh, superheroes are Superman and Green Arrow. So I was already all about Arrow from the get go. I'm assuming you you dropped off on Smallville. When did you stop? 
I I tuned out in season five or season six, and then came back in season seven, season eight. Ah, season eight's so good. Season eight was uh, amazing, except for the crappy Lana arc because Lana sucks, and uh, the season finale, which is so upsetting, given how good that season ends. I is concur. Lana the mermaid. No, that's uh, that's uh, that's Laurie Lemerus. L- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's L three L harder. <laughs> well, his he is Cal L. God damn it! I gotta go. I gotta not think about that. So. <laughs> no, season eight. Was, so I watched season eight of Smallville because it was on right before Supernatural, and so I would catch the last like fifteen minutes of Smallville, and then suddenly found myself watching more and more of Smallville <laughs> before Supernatural because it's season four of Supernatural and season eight of Smallville, and so I was really digging it, and then it turned out super, Smallville was killing it. Yeah, I like tuned out for a while, and then I came back. It's it's amazing that season eight of Smallville is as good as it is because that was the first season. Uh, after the showrunners had left, uh, Al Goff and Miles Miller, and also it was the first season Lex had left too, mm-hmm. and also Lana, but she had like her goodbye arc, mm-hmm. and it was just, and then they introduced uh, Cassidy Freeman as Tess and Sam Witwer as Davis slash Doomsday, and they just both of them fucking kicked ass, and it was like Lex who, <laughs> basically, and it was such a good story of like nature versus nurture with the Davis Doomsday plot. And then they screwed it all up in the season finale. I mean, part of it is because they fe- they always feel t- felt tied to the comics, and so they would do this great work with like Doomsday and with Mercy, and then they would have to be like, "But we're stuck with this ending." They, but the thing is, I I was my problem actually with that wasn't that I was tied to the comics because I was actually excited about that because I was uh, psyched to see you know Doomsday kill Clark and how they would uh, do that. And then it's just like uh, we're actually going to only give you thirty seconds of this. Sorry, uh, only going to give you thirty seconds of this fight, barely. And also because they were able to split up Davis and Doomsday, so it's like yes, Davis gets to live. And it's like wait, no, Davis was also evil all along, and he kills Jimmy. And it's like what? What? Were you watching the same season as the rest of us? Uh. God. Plus, those Ashmore boys need to stop being in comic book things. Who? Uh. Now we're going to have to fight my beloved uh, Ashmores, especially Aaron. Sean, I remember watching on... What's an Ashmore? Animorphs. Yes, the Animorphs show. I've watched show. some of Animorphs. Yeah, Sean Ashmore plays <laughs> Jake in the Animorphs series. Okay, Jake's the leader, right? Yeah. You could tell because yeah. he was Jake. God, is it just me or like half the damn like half the damn fictional characters that have been named Jake? Or Carl. 90% of the fictional characters are named Carl at this point, all because of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <sighs> Carl has his long, like, on, on, on B99, they keep, whenever they have, like, a random one-off character, they're like, let's just name him Carl, or... Every fucking time. It's amazing Teddy's name wasn't Carl. It is 100% amazing his name wasn't Carl, except that he's a real person, <laughs> so he can't be named Carl. The dumbest pirate on Galavet is named Carl. <laughs> if you look at a crowd scene and you find the one that's shaped like a potato, there's Carl. <laughs> so you picked up the flash. What else did you pick up? Uh, let's see. Uh, also was watching uh, Selfie. God, fucking Selfie was so good. I just rewatched it already. It was like, this is so good. I need to rewatch it. Uh, I'm so upset. It was um, it, it pulled itself together, but too late. I'm really not into my fair lady plot lines in general. I wasn't either, and I, like I watched the original pilot, and it made me very upset, very upset. But then uh, the show kind of got it together in the pilot, and then it just got so great immediately, basically. And then, of course, it was over. And let's see. Also, Jane the Virgin. Everyone should be watching Jane the Virgin. So good. I'm one behind. I love that show so much. I too am uh, also one behind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you and me watching episode ten tonight. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And also just, I guess it's not a new show, but I kind of just uh, re-fell in love with uh, the Vampire Diaries this season, season six. Yeah, we uh, noticed. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but it's. <laughs> hey, I haven't been going as insane as some people. But, like, okay. uh, season four and season five of Vampire Diaries were very, very weak, especially since, like, season two of that show was, like, one of the greatest seasons of television in 
quite a while, I would say, actually. And just this season, they're kind of, like, firing on all cylinders. Sorry, Carl. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> no, it's okay. I feel like people Vampire are Vampire saying... Diaries is the one that isn't Sookie Stackhouse, right? Correct. Yes. Cool. <laughs> God, I... Kill me if I ever compliment True Blood. <laughs> my, my trainer watches True Blood, and so I get, I get recaps from her. And let's just say I'm glad I stopped watching True Blood after season one. It's the one with the sex. That's the one with the sex, cool. yeah. True Blood. Um, For a while I was formatting the Sookie Stackhouse reread on Tor.com. And I learned a lot about vampire-loving fairy woman person. Charlene Harris is actually kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't deny it. I'm just, you read a summary of it and you're like, oh. It's so she's part fairy. It's kind of like reading Cleo Linda's summaries of Twilight, though. Where no, you're like, not. oh god, what's happening? Cleo Linda <laughs> is, is an unrecreatable phenomenon. I picked up um, The Flash. Uh, I picked up Blackish. Blackish is really good, as, as I've written about before. Though the Martin Luther King episode was really disappointing. I, I actually was disappointed that. that I was just. Uh, junior is terrible, skier, snowboard uh, speech. I, I mean, I got the joke, but I didn't think it was actually good. I, I watched it for a few episodes, and there were things I really liked about it, but it made me cringe a little too often. So, I couldn't keep going. I think that's just your white guilt. I mean, I do have a lot of that, but I don't think that's what it was. I don't like seeing people put themselves in really awkward situations. That secondhand embarrassment? You guys should definitely check out Bernie Mac's show. I actually love being told how shitty I am. That's how my white guilt... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I wonder if the Martin Luther skiing episode is maybe... I'm, I'm worried that's indicative of what... A post Larry Wiltmore blackish will look like, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't think it is, but like part of me is like, oh no, you know. I I picked up blackish. I pick, I picked up I picked up Jane the Virgin. I picked up I picked up How to Get Away with Murder, but I'm behind, and I have to catch up. Yeah, that is... shows a mess. I mean, it's fun, <laughs> yeah, it's fun of how much of a mess it is, but it's a mess. And I mean, Shondaland is just like that. Scandal was, oh, gets like messy and messy and messy. I love Scandal, but Scandal it, was so much better this season, though. I thought that Shonda Rhimes had basically nothing to do with how to get away with murder except putting your name on it. Yeah, but it still it takes was a protege. Like, so yeah, okay. uh, girlfriends got to divorce on Bravo is actually really good. Surprisingly, I I was expecting you to hate it. <laughs> I read your recap of that today earlier, actually, and. I was thinking about how we were we were like kind of joking about it when we recorded the televoid, and then like and then you you have a line there. It's like and Lord knows Lisa Edelstein deserved something good after those later seasons of House, and I was like Latoya, was that for us? Was that for us? That's for the world. <laughs> Girl, All right, House. <laughs> I remember being made to watch House again. Latoya, thanks so much for guesting. Of course, anytime. I'm glad we talked about not Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> I'm always available to not talk about Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> That's the end of my wisdom, so from all of us to at least some of you. <laughs> if anyone's still listening. <laughs> I hope they're still listening. <laughs> we'll just cut it so that the ending is right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we'll get them. <laughs> so do the, do, the, do the outro again. From all of us to all of you, this has been Back in the Field. My name is Carl. My name is Arthi. I'm LaToya. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye.